And then during COVID, we met. Good thing we met. And this girl came in once, like a year, year and two months ago, fully clothed, fully garbed for COVID, mask, shield, gloves. And she sat through the service. And I said, what brings you here? She said, I want to know Jesus. And she prayed with me right there. And, and she's come back. She lives an hour from Jerusalem. But this is God. This is the sovereignty of God. Welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Friends, so good to have you back in the studio. Last time we had the privilege of ending a conversation with someone I met in Israel back in 2018. Happens to be here in person in our studio, Pastor Al Nutroni. He pastors the Jerusalem Baptist Church. Last time I mentioned that I met Pastor Al in Jerusalem as we were taking the Bot Radio Network. Discovery Bible Tour with many of our listeners across the nation who uh, came along with us on two separate trips. I was able to go. Never thought one time in my life I would go to Israel, but two times, thanks to the Bot family, seeing the Bible come to life, things we read in the Bible, and actually discovering that for ourselves. And so Pastor Al was gracious to lead several of our meetings uh, one evening where he shared with us. And then there was times at the Garden Tomb where he led our communion service. And even, Pastor Al, as I was reflecting on just standing there on the Mount of Olives, our tour guide had a friend, an Arab friend, who let us use their backyard. And we just kind of gathered there overlooking the Mount of Olives, looking toward the Eastern Gate, which is all sealed, by the way. Why is it sealed up? Well, it was sealed uh, because the Muslims knew about Jesus coming, and uh, they want to make sure that he wasn't going to enter, so they sealed it up. Suleiman the Magnificent, the Turkish emperor, so they knew all about that. So, uh, in fact, they put a Muslim cemetery in front of it because anyone who crosses a Muslim cemetery desecrates it. So they want to, uh, in a sense, tell people, this is he can't be a Messiah, he's desecrated our cemetery, and then they blocked it off. But he will enter there. He will enter there. Somehow he'll enter. That's where he entered from, you know, when he entered the city after going down, you know, during the Palm Sunday, he entered the city through that gate. You and your wife, Billy, moved to Israel to become the pastor at the Jerusalem Baptist Church in 2007 after ministry in Italy and Austria. Um, God has really blessed over the years your heart to take the gospel to the nations. Absolutely. That is really what God calls us to, to testify. That's what a the witness does, right? Testifies Testify. of what has happened to them. In this case, transformation by Jesus Christ. What, what does that really mean? Some people hear the gospel. They hear about being saved, born again, these terms. What does it really mean? and Why is it relevant to me? Well, of course, uh, eternity is at stake. You know, Jesus, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So by believing on Jesus, trusting him for your salvation, that means you've admitted you're a sinner before God, you've repented, and you've turned to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and you believed on him, then you're promised, according to the Bible, eternal life, life everlasting. 
So we work for the things that will endure for eternity, which is we work and commit ourselves to the Word of God, but also bringing the gospel to people because there are eternal consequences to that. And of course, Jesus also said, John 10, I've come that they might have life, have it abundantly. So it gives you salvation, eternal life, but also an abundant life, you know, tell you one thing, I've served the Lord overseas now 40 years, and they pay me for what I'm doing. I can't believe it. I'm enjoying it. I'm having a great time. We say in Jerusalem, I do three things. I pray, three Ps. I pray, I preach, and I party. <laughs> because you pray, and we need to pray. We need to preach Jesus. And then when people come to the Lord, we just do what we're supposed to do. It's exciting. It's party time. You know, we celebrate. Uh, that's what it's all about. We talked, too, on our last program about hearing bomb alerts and having to run to bomb shelters at times, watching bombs explode in the sky. And unfortunately, some people succumb to those bombs, and there are some fatalities at times. What is it? Because we see this on the news a lot when we hear about Israeli-Arab conflict. Matter of fact, when I Google demonstrations and bombings in Israel this morning, these titles come up, Israel bombs Hamas sites and amid protest against Gaza siege. Israel strikes Hamas targets in Gaza after border protest. Israeli unrest, Arab citizens protest over Gaza and Jerusalem. Israel bomb sites in Gaza after demonstration grows violent. I mean, the list goes on page after page. It looks like a bias and prejudice reporting depicting Israel as a big bully, you know? Mm. What is it about our Western mindset that we misunderstand from someone who actually lives there and experiences life in Israel? Well... Of course, we always have to be careful about what we read in the newspaper and what people say, evidence, and everyone's going to give their perspective. And not all, you know, I, I say this, we can't have stereotypes. Arabs are terrorists. No, I'm sorry to say there are plenty no. of good Arabs, yes. Christians who love the Lord and who love Israel. In fact, I think a majority of the Arabs would prefer to live in Israel, not to have two nations to state my opinion it'll never work so i think uh when they talk about bombing of course you know if, if america was being bombed from mexico right bombs come into texas what are you going to do just let them come or you're going to go to the root source and take out those sites now israel does not intentionally try to kill people but they know where the sites are unfortunately some of the sites where the bombings take place where the bombings come out of are hospitals, schools, you know, UN facilities. So it's very difficult for them, but uh, they have to do something. They've had ground operations, of course, and that's a risky thing, and kidnappings. So uh, I say God loves the Arab, God loves the Jew. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, what happens. And of course, as we know, a lot of the radical Radicals Hamas and Hezbollah are being funded by Iran. I mean, that's uh, an obvious fact. So there's lots of outside influences. And sometimes the kids, unfortunately, the children are are being um, pressured by their parents to go out and throw rocks. You know, not the parents, but they tell people to hate the Jews, hate this. And then the kids get so worked up and they go out and they're the ones who are throwing the stones. So we have to have a whole program. Well, number one thing, people need the gospel. And we do a lot of outreach in Arab countries. We have sport clinics. And this we, is through FCA. FCA, preach the gospel. Yes. Even people coming to the Lord, professing Christians and Muslims, you know, yep. coming to the Lord. 
that's a solution. So that's what we try to do. We, we go to the root. The root problem is sin. The consequence of sin is death. All of what we see, violence, uh, killing, that's a symptom. So we have to go to the root cause, the sin, preach repentance, and turn to Jesus. Jesus changes our lives. My friend Tas Sadar, he was Yasser Arafat's hitman. In fact, uh, I mentioned him in, in the book, Equipped for the End Times, as a man transformed like the Apostle Paul. He hated Christians. He was from Gaza. He killed Israelis. He was Yasser Arafat's hitman. That's the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, I've heard there's a saying, curse Jesus, said sometimes in Israel. Is that true? Would that only be a religious Jew that might say that? Is it considered a swear word? Is this something maybe the upper class people would say? Well, uh, it is a swear word. We have the true term of Jesus, Yeshua, Jesus said, but Yeshu is like a cursed be him. Now, the Muslims would never say that because they respect Jesus, Okay. They love Jesus, they say. Of course, they don't realize that he's the Son of God. He died for their sins. And they, oh, Muhammad, we love, and we love Jesus, and he's one of our prophets. Okay. But they don't accept this uh, Trinitarian idea, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they don't accept the fact, how can God die on the cross? So, But the, the, to the Jews, uh, it's a little different because, uh, like they rejected Jesus then, they reject him now. Even though... It's very clear from Old Testament, Isaiah 53. I was thinking about that. Best way to reach a Jew, read Isaiah 53, which they don't like to read in the synagogues. They don't read in the synagogues, do they? They don't. But it's so clear, and I'll I'll give you a story. This is so interesting uh, because uh, there was a Messianic, we call Messianic, okay, believing Jewish family in Israel. They invited the parents to come over who weren't believing for a Passover meal. And the father said, I'll come, but don't talk to me about Jesus. Don't mention anything about Jesus. I said, okay. So they had the Passover meal. He read about the Haggadah, you know, the Passover. And then, Dad, I want to read something from our Tanakh, our Bible, Old Testament, Isaiah 53. He, he died for our iniquity. He took upon him the chastisement of our, for our sins. And uh, he healed uh, all this stuff. He started reading Isaiah 53, and the father said, I told you, don't talk to me about Jesus. I said, Dad, this is from the Tanakh. I'm not reading from the Gospels. <laughs> so that was interesting. But that's a very powerful tool. Read that. Right. And what do you think about it? Uh, who's that talking about? Do you see trends or patterns seeing Jews come to Christ as Messiah? There are. You know, not many. You know, they say um, <laughs> it's a common statement. 2,000 years ago, when Peter preached, 3,000 came to the Lord. One sermon, 3,000 converts. Today, it takes 3,000 sermons to make one convert. You know, I mean, they are coming, not in big numbers. Like in the Arab world, more are coming. But the Jews, slowly, and God does it. We have one guy, I can't mention name, but he was listening to John MacArthur, okay, He's, he's a, from an Orthodox family near Jerusalem, and he got interested in the Bible. He came to our church, and he, I had a Bible study with him. He said, I want to accept Jesus now. And then during COVID, we met. Good thing we met. And this girl came in once, like a year year and two months ago, fully clothed, fully garbed for COVID, masks, shield, gloves. And she sat through the service. And I said, what brings you here? said, I want to know Jesus. 
and she prayed with me right there. And, and she's come back. She lives an hour from Jerusalem. But this is God. This is the sovereignty of God. Acts chapter 2, they gave themselves to prayer, the Word of God, fellowship, and then God added to the church. Yes. So it's, it's like you do what you're supposed to do. And we do other outreaches, you know, tracks and everything. But then God adds to the church, brings the people. We've mentioned a couple of your books. Well, you've written several books. And before we leave, we want to make sure we give the titles of those books. We're going to do that. But your most recent book is called Reformation and Revival. That's the actually the first one. Oh, that is the first book. Yeah, yeah, okay, first sorry book. about that. Well, yeah. just quickly, on that book, Reformation and Revival, what's the difference between revival and reformation? Well, revival is, um, you know, people returning to God, okay, in a spiritual sense, return to the, to the Lord. And like in the book of uh, Jonah, we have Nineveh, and there was a repentance of sin and a revival. And then Reformation, of course, we have the definition of Reformation, Protestant Reformation, where they, there was a, a return not only to the Lord, but to the Word of God and to a systematic study of the Word of God, Reformation, which, uh, in a sense, affected society. So I think revival is a start. People get right with God. And then Reformation is that transforming power of the Word and people's lives, which, which changes society. There's reform. And like in Switzerland, you look at that. The effect of the Protestant Reformation. It's a very stable society. They, you know, John Calvin had the Reformation there. They have Swiss watches, you know, because we must redeem the time. Everything is nice and perfect and clean. You know, they went back to some. I'm not talking about Pharisaical things, yes. but but a clean society, respect for life, respect for property, which comes from the Bible. So this is the effect of the Protestant Reformation. And if you study history, you'll see that those countries which had the Protestant Reformation are more progressive, cleaner, nicer, you know, better laws and, yeah. and better society. Tell me about nights of evangelism on Friday nights where immigrants, drug addicts, and prostitutes hang out. Yes. Well, it's interesting because in Jerusalem it's a little difficult to do outreach because of religious elements of people. So I used to do a lot of open-air stuff in Vienna and Italy. It was easy. But Jerusalem, they can push you to the ground and rip up your Bible. So is it against the law? No, not against the law. Only if you speak to someone under 18 or you feed them and, and preach at the same time. You can't pay someone. But if you go to Tel Aviv, um, I think it was C.T. Studd, he said, there are some who like to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to open up a gospel shop within a yard of hell. So you go where the people are. Tel Aviv, Friday night, all the prostitutes, drug addicts, no religious people around. They're in synagogue. So we're free to preach and give out Bibles, and I have a, a microphone, a little sound system, preaching the gospel. Nobody bothers. One time, the police came. What are you doing? This well, we want to preach the gospel. Well, you got to get permission. Okay. So I found, just so happened, when we left there, one of my good friends, Pastor Jeremiah, Nigerian pastor, I said, where could I get permission? He said, oh, I know this, this cop, you know. 
Valentine. Sounds like a good Christian name. So come this week. So we met Valentine. He's a Russian Jew, but his father was a Christian. I said, we have, I want to be able to preach here. What could I do? Well, if you have a problem, call me. So he gave me his number. Call Valentine. So after that, we, we bring around seven or eight people. We go down, distribute Bibles. I set up a table and preaching. And then the people come get a Bible or preach Jesus or, you know, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity. I did work a few years ago with a Messianic believer who did a lot of Bible distribution. And that's why I kind of got the impetus to do that. Yes. And he's with the Lord now. But uh, we had a great time giving out Bibles. When there were Sudanese, the Sudan came, they were parking out in the park, you know, sleeping and everything else. So we had a feeding program. We fed them soup and gave them the Arabic gospel, Arabic Bible. Right. Yeah, we could do that. You know, for yeah. Jews, maybe not, but for the Sudanese, yeah. the officials didn't care. So we fed them and gave them the Bible, and it was really a fun time, all these immigrants that we can help. Wow, And it, it was really cool. So that's uh, what we did. We'll continue, obviously, when I get back. And praise God, because we only started this year because it was completely shut out yeah. because of COVID. Well, can you share some of your more standout encounters and conversations with some of these prostitution, drug addicts, immigrants that you've shared with? Well, we get a lot of people who come and talk, you know, and, and a lot of uh, my team members go out on an individual basis in the street and talk to people. I mean, they give out Bibles, but they're always looking for conversation. And uh, it's amazing what God does, I mean, to bring people to himself, and uh, we don't know. We saw a lot of seeds. There, there are some professions maybe we don't know of. Now, if I may just say this, because we have seen, not necessarily in Tel Aviv, but in Bethlehem through our sport ministry, praise God, this is amazing. We have these teams come and do basketball clinics, and I have some pro players from Steve Grant for the Colts and uh, other people who come, and they're evangelists now. They were in the NFL for many years and some not so many years. NFL can mean not for long. <laughs> but it's amazing. Every year we had 50 professions of faith. And one time they gave an invitation. I saw 10 Muslim ladies stand up to receive the Lord. I said, this is revival. I was in tears. Another time, I think our theme was stand up. That was the theme, stand up. So one of the evangelists who plays for the Chicago Bears there was 100 people, and, this, and we're talking about the kids and their parents. This was the last program at the end of the camp. And he said, if you want to accept Jesus, stand up. Everyone stood up, 100, <laughs> including 10 Muslims again. Oh. I said, this doesn't happen. Then I heard, because we had two programs, the same thing happened at the other school. He gave an invitation, 100 people all stood up, Muslims. And I said, I was questioning, Lord, how did it happen? So... I found out. We went out for pizza. We came back to the hotel in Bethlehem. We went inside, and there were 15 Koreans on their knees praying. <laughs> that is it right there. You know, I've never seen that before, but we know that prayer works. You have not because you asked not. That's not right. And it was uh, amazing. So thank God for Koreans. We have a Korean fellowship in our church now, Koreans, and they have a meeting every every week, some local, but a monthly meeting, they invite Jews and Arabs, and they meet at our church. Koreans, when they pray, 
they all pray together. <laughs> you think they're speaking in tongue, but they're not. They're all speaking their language or speaking whatever. It's amazing. Can you give us just a quick insight? I know with COVID, it has really locked down Israel for a lot of tour groups, and, and hopefully that's going to begin to change soon, where so many people love to go to Israel to tour, to learn about the Holy Land. Do you have any points that you would like to suggest that those who come to Israel, not just to take, but how they can give back when they come as tourists? Well, of course, uh, when we have a tour, and every tour, Christian tour, should always be a mission tour. I mean, see, learn, devote, but also help proclaim the gospel as a group or, you know, an individual basis. And all the groups that I've led you know, we've always had a testimony with the people, the shopkeepers or the people. Sometimes I have purposely brought a guitar and we sing and then preach a little bit here, you know, or sing some Jewish songs uh, that Jews can listen to. They, you know, they come along and sing with us and then have an outreach. So always be open for a gospel outreach to help people. To Sometimes uh, we have a wonderful ministry of prayer and we meet someone um, how you doing? Everything else, and how can I pray for you? You know, and uh, so we pray for them, pray over them, and there are a lot of teams that do that. They purposely go out to bless Jews and give them prayer. But the people are touched; they're not afraid of yes. Christians praying for them. Yes. Now I want to mention that you've also written other books, including the Solution for the Middle East Crisis, Call to World Revolution, The Soon Return of Jesus the Messiah, and the one you just completed the last few weeks ago entitled Equipped for the End Times, Ten Vital Principles for High-Impact Leadership. Of those ten vital principles in this book, which one of them are you most passionate about? Well, as I look at it, um, (laughs) I'm passionate about all of them. It's it's so hard for me to distinguish, but very basic stuff, you think it's not that has nothing to do with secular leadership. It's all like uh, God's sovereignty, you know. And also, we have to be motivated. You know, that's, that's why I said in the end times, the coming again of Jesus. We have to think about the Lord is coming and redeem the time. Jesus is coming soon. I mean, I don't know when, but we have that motivation. So that's important to me to get the work done. Of course, the other uh, live a life of character, you know, in this world, especially among pastors, that's an important, yes. you know, character development, be like Christ, and then also spiritual warfare. You know, we're in war, call to arms, and then the church. I mean, there's, I can't say which one is more important. Get the book and read it, though. Yeah, read the book, because uh, it's got these principles, and it's got stuff from Israel, illustrations. Uh, I'm fortunate to have a lady who is a publisher in the church. We tried to write a readable book. You know, Howard Hendricks was my prof at Dallas, and he said, write so people understand, even if they're teenagers. So pictures are worth a lot. I love pictures in books. Yeah, Yeah. pictures. And (laughs) the founder of Reader's Digest was a impatient reader. So he said, people need short concepts, pictures. And Aristotle said, man does not think except in pictures. <laughs> so there's a lot of illustrations, um, not just all pictures, but it's principles and simple English. Nothing. I'm not a scholar. I don't claim to be a scholar. My main prof was Howard Hendricks, who was 
great communicator. He said, make things easy to understand yes. and church growth. And so we're not into scholarly discussions. We're just into yes. changing lives. In those books, friends, you can go to lulu, dot com and get any one of Pastor Al's books. Also, jerusalembaptistchurch.org. Pastor Al, as we wrap up today's show, I'd like for you to give us a word about establishing a leadership training school called Jerusalem Academy. What's yes. this all about? Yeah, well, I was burdened with for leadership. I went to a conference uh, with Ramesh Richards, one of my classmates at Dallas. He started this ministry, and then he had a big pastors conference in Thailand, 3,000 pastors a few years ago. So the whole thesis was, if you want to change society— you change the church. You want to change the church, you got to change the pastors of the church. I mean, not not get rid of them, but no. they have to change. <laughs> Maybe some you want to get rid of, right? <laughs> yeah. But you want to – it starts with the pastor. So that burdened me for that. During my COVID year, last year, I had more time. So I was burdened. I listened to tapes and uh, read books, and I said, I, I've got to write something on leadership that we can use and so I, I came up with the concepts, and then at the end I said, well, let's make it practical. Let, let's bring people here from all over the world, because a lot of pastors who come, and give them a taste of Israel, 15 days, learn about leadership from the Bible, also from Israeli society. You know, they are number one entrepreneurship. They have IDF, you know, the, the army, which is tops. Yeah. The Mossad tops, they do things right. They, they are leading the nations in certain things. So I said, let's learn from them and let's learn from the Bible. So we came up with this concept, Jerusalem Academy for Leadership Training International. So we want to, it's only a dream, you know, it starts with uh, an idea. And so how can folks find out more information about this project? Well, our website is not exactly as it should be now. It was sort of in construction. Yeah, construction. So, uh, but you can write me, uh, you know, you can write the church, you know, JerusalemBaptistChurch.org. My email, Nuccio, N-U-C-C-I-A-R-O, okay? That's part of my last name, N-U-C-C-I-A-R-O, at AOL.com. So remember, AOL, what does that mean? Dot com means I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a Gmail, but let's keep it nice and short, Nuccio, AOL, get information, have it, uh, I've got some instructors. We do stuff online, but then we want to get everyone 15 days in Israel. Very, it's very cheap, so I won't even give the cost. But uh, everything Jerusalem, that's our place. Academy is you know for training, leadership. That's the theme, and training means more than teaching. Yes, training is like you train to be a pilot, and international for the whole world. So it's amazing how many people have come from Africa from India into Jerusalem. They they want me to go visit them. And, you know, I can't go to all the churches in India and Africa, but they can come to us and, yes. and uh, get trained and go out. Pastor Al Nucciaroni <laughs> is our guest for a second day on Mid-South Viewpoint. God bless you, my dear brother. Well, thank you. Shalom. Shalom. Thank, thank you, you f- so much for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Shalom. And greetings from the church in Jerusalem. Friends, be sure and go to their website, JerusalemBaptistChurch.org, also Lulu, com. That's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.